Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. going to talk about today is repentance. Repentance. So with that, let me pray. Lord Jesus, God, we come to you with groaning hearts, aching hearts, God, hearts that are crying out to you to guide us, to direct us. God, I pray that your word this morning, God, would cut deep into our heart, and God, that you would have your way in us, no matter where we're at with you, God, that you would... Um, Be Lord and King over this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. So wherever there's darkness, wherever there's violence, wherever there's human misery, abuse, injustice, wherever there's betrayal, envy, jealousy, corruption, retribution, make no mistake, human sin is the source of all of that. And so as we see the events on the world stage with and the absolute kind of confusion of it all, uh, I would say discerning what I would say God would, would, would want to have us see is that all the fallen powers are begging you to choose sides. Because once you choose sides, there's something that happens. There's like a wash, and truth no longer becomes your centerpiece. It's defending the side. And... There's a, small, there's a great temptation that in that, when you take side, to see the other side as subhuman enemies to justify their slaughter of civilians. There's a passage in the Old Testament where Joshua asks the Lord, Lord, what side are you on? The Lord says, I'm not on either. And so uh, I'm not here to kind of comment on a tremendously uh, thousands of years old uh, conflict that we are seeing kind of emerge and explode before our eyes. Uh, But I I, I think it should draw our heart to to pray, obviously. Pray for peace peace over Israel, peace over the Middle East, but that it would maybe develop in our lives a strong faith and a reliance on Him, discerning with the Spirit of God, and to be His sons and daughters in a trying time such as this. An old pastor friend of mine was on a plane, and He was reading his Bible, and the passenger next to him was agitated that his Bible was there and open, and he could kind of sense the passenger's discomfort, and then finally, he couldn't, the passenger couldn't take his discontent any longer, and he kind of blurted out, man, how can you believe in a God with all this evil in the world? How could you believe in a God that is spoken of in the scriptures? Man, all the evil, all the wars, all the rape, all the just useless slaughter that we see. And as he was kind of hearing him kind of unload about his thoughts on God, he said, man, taking care of evil out there begins with taking care of the evil in here. And he says, will you repent of your sin and evil and turn to God so that he can heal you? And he's like, no, that's too much. 
That's too much for me. And so we want to, as God's people, effectively push back darkness, but it begins with our own human heart. Alexander Solzhenitsyn says this, if, if it were only so simple, if, there were only, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them, but the dividing line between good and evil cuts right through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? He, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was captured and a prisoner in the, in the Russian gulags, and he saw the effects of communism on his people. But as much as in that, the, the temptation is to continually pick sides. Are you right? Are you left? Are you with them? Are you against them? Are you, are you with this nation? Are you against that nation? And his thought is, our, our t the temptation is, if we could just take those evil people over there and remove them or eliminate them. But the sad fact is that in the human condition, good and evil is divided right in between us. So repentance is the weapon, the gift that God gives us to effectively defeat human brokenness. So let's draw our attention to our own sin and brokenness. Let's take the log out many of our own eye before we begin commenting on others. The word repent is a, a word we find called metanoia. It means to change a change of mind. True repentance is filled with radical implications for it turns you from something to another something. Romans 12.2 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll know what God wants you to do, and you'll know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Now, repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin and cannot be separated. It's, it's not like a person first turns from their sin and then turns to Christ or then turns to Christ and then turns from their sin. It happens simultaneously. Faith is a complete and under trust and confidence in God, confidence in his character, his promises, his word, his will, and his reality around us. Seeing reality as God views and sees reality. That's faith. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by that one offering he perfected forever all those whom he's making holy. Wow, okay. Let's, there's a little dance on that sentence, isn't there? You are perfected because of what Christ has done, but he's continually making you holy. What's that talking about? When you first follow Christ and you submit your life to him, he gives you his Holy Spirit right there. You have eternal life. Eternal, infinite life from God begins right there. But there's this, there's this growing process Theologians call it sanctification. There's this growth process by which he wants to make you look more and act more like Jesus. And so, Jesus' work on the cross for your salvation is completely finished work, yet it's ongoing. So if you know him, what started your journey with him? Faith and repentance. What keeps you growing more and more like Jesus? What keeps you walking in the design that you're made for to keep you walking in victory? Faith and repentance. It's a lifestyle. It's not just a one-time thing. 
It's the process by which God pushes darkness out of your life, heals you, restores you, makes you whole, and sets you on your way for the works he's prepared in advance for you to walk in. Before Christ came into our hearts, we were slaves to sin. We were powerless to gain victory over our oppressor, over our flesh. However, because of Jesus, we now have the power to say no and gain victory. Walking in the freedom Jesus died to give you is about being released to love and serve people wholeheartedly. Freedom is not about changing behavior, but about letting God change your very being. So Jesus told this very interesting story specifically about what repentance looks like. We find this story in Luke 15. It's a common story, but let's, let's maybe pull some more things out than maybe what you have before. Luke 15, verse 11. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want to share my share of your estate before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Stop there. This younger son, father, two sons, the youngest says, Dad, I could care less about my relationship with you. I only want what you can give me. And I'd like for you to give me that before you die. I'm kind of impatient. Would you be willing to half your estate and give it to me? Which to the Jewish audience would have been like, what in the world is going on with this younger son? This rebellious, prideful younger son. What is going on? It would have made you lean in. Verse 13, a few days later, this young, younger son packed all his belongings and moved to, a short, moved to a distant land. Wow. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Man, what a rout, huh? Man, he got his inheritance early. There's a proverb about that, getting your inheritance a little too early. But anyway, he's there. He takes his inheritance, loses it all in wild living. Probably had a ton of friends around him, probably because of what he was being able to give them. But once that, once that uh, waterfall of... Uh, Blessing ran out, all his friends bailed on him. All his relationships that he thought were solid weren't there anymore. And even the pods, have you ever fed pigs, ever been on the farm? Fed pigs? Slop? Slop is, uh, so, so you, you have a, uh, what do you put your leaves into? What's that? Compost, yeah, yeah. We put all your extra food old food in a like, compost bin, and you just kind of take, take a little scoop of that composted food and you feed it to the pigs, and even that food was looking good to him. Verse 17, it all changes. When he finally came to his senses. Right there. There's this big shift. Right there in this sentence, he finally came to his senses. He came to an end of himself. His fight to do it his own way goes on. He finally came to his senses and said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food, enough to spare. And here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. 
and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Wow. Okay, so he goes. He returns home to his father. But look, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found, and the party began. What a picture of what repentance with the Father looks like. He had to first come to his senses. So the question is, what do you need to come to your senses about in your life? Let that fog just begin to dissipate. Allow God to just have his way. We see this echoed in King David when he tried to hide his adultery and subsequent murder of her husband, the prophet Nathan comes and confronts and exposes David for what he did. And David's cry to the Lord we find in Psalm 51. I'm just taking some selections, but this is his repentance cry after kind of getting called out. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Blot out the stain of my sins. For I recognize my shameful deeds. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You desire honesty from the heart. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart, O oh God, you will not despise. It's David repenting to the Lord. Repentance is renouncing of your sin, turning around from darkness to light, from the power of your own flesh or of Satan to God. It's important to realize that mere sorrow for your actions or even a deep remorse over your actions, that doesn't represent genuine repentance. Genuine repentance must be accompanied by a sincere decision to turn the other way. 2 Corinthians 7 says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation or wholeness. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Now, how is that? You ever been caught in something? You ever been caught? There's a difference between getting caught and then coming to your own conclusion saying, Hey, I, I'm done with this. But it's interesting. People that kind of get caught. Hey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, man, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm so sorry. Why? Because they're so embarrassed. They're apologizing for their embarrassment. They're apologizing for maybe I just, I wasn't smart that one night. And that sorrow always leads to spiritual death. Why? Because the guilt and the shame leads nowhere. It leads to pity. It leads to darkness. It leads to greater darkness. A worldly sorrow of grief may involve the great sorrow and guilt for one's actions, and probably also a fear of punishment, but no genuine renouncing of sin 
or a commitment to forsake it in one's life. Repentance is not ungodly sorrow, nor is it kind of morbid introspection. Contrary to popular opinion, repentance is a wonderful and privileged gift God gives to you. Repentance is a gift. You ever get kind of a surprise gift in the mail, a little letter with a big check? Did you, oh my gosh. This is, could be the greatest gift to land on your shores from heaven, is this gift of repentance. Acts 5, 29, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior so that what? He might give repentance and forgiveness of sin to Israel. Romans 2, 4, ooh. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Man, we can be convicted over our sin. Man, we can hear a sermon about it. We can reach personal conviction over the damage that those sins have kind of done to not only ourselves, but maybe our close loved ones. And we can continue to live exactly as we did before. That's not repentance. Catherine Booth wife of William Booth, who started the Salvation Army in the middle of the 19th century, said this, you have something that you're holding on to that the Holy Spirit says you must let go, and you say, I can't. Very well, then you must stop outside the kingdom. You can, at this moment, lift up your eyes to heaven and say with the prodigal son, Father, I have sinned and I repent of my sin." You are able at this very moment to repent of and renounce sin with purpose and resolution. Come on. So, what does it take for us to repent? One, we saw with the prodigal. One, come to your senses. Come to your senses. Sometimes we love getting lost with the distraction and the games. We kind of play around with the Lord during our day, during our week. And the Lord's like, Hey, stop. Come to your senses. Stop playing around. I have chosen you for a reason. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I want to put in you my Holy Spirit so that you can put me on display to the people around you. So come to your senses. Two, stop sinning and confess it. Alan Redpath, a, a British pastor and author, he says, it's Satan's delight to tell me that once he's got me, he will keep me. But at that moment, I can go back to God. I know that if I confess my sins, God is faithful and just to forgive me. And he's echoing 1 John 1, 9. He says, but if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. Repentance is the absolute weapon that Satan cannot conquer. When one comes to say, God, I repent of my sin, I was under this lie. I believed this thing. I thought this was so true. But God, as I have been, it's been leading me down these paths that I had never wanted to go down. And God, I recognize what it's been doing to me. I hate it, and I give it to you, and I repent. Three, turn from your sin. Repentance is an action that involves every fiber of your being. And you've got to be honest with yourself. So many times, and I'm just I'm speaking from personal experience, where you bow, you, you're convicted about something that God wants you to give to him. 
and you bow your head and you pray a religious prayer knowing in the back of your head, I'm probably going to do this again later. That's not repentance. It's asking for a Lord of a hatred of it. See what it's done and is doing to you so that you can break free of this debilitating sin, whatever it is. And then fourth, do the opposite. Fourth, do the opposite. Ephesians 4, Paul says, man, if you've been lying, it's not up there, but if you've been lying, tell the truth. If you've been stealing from others, work hard so you can give things away. Work in the opposite spirit. If you've been selfish and preoccupied, be a servant of others. If you vic feel victimized and filled with self-pity, be one who gives hope and encouragement. Man, you feel cautious and afraid? Be a bold witness with a voice that's filled with God's power. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, was murdered by Hitler in the Second World War. He says this, a lack of repentance is the root cause of powerlessness in the church. In this materialistic, self-indulgent age, there can be no spiritual power in a non-repentant church. Amen. And I'll end with this. Psalm 139, my favorite verse. All the Bible. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me on the path of everlasting, eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. I'm going to just spend a little time here this morning, just engaging with the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would, God, bring us to our senses. God, if there's anything in our life that you're putting a finger on, I pray that you would highlight that right now. God, we just, we, we, we recognize that this is the God you're asking us to give this to you. So, Lord, I, I just, Lord, this thing in my life, I turn to this because I think by doing so, I will get what from it. There's something that you turn to this because you're getting something, and I would say that that's a lie that you're not getting this from it, you're getting something else. You're getting bondage. So, Father, we just say that this is a lie. God, where we've been turning to this, God, we repent of that in Jesus' name. God, we, we have chosen to do that, and God, we take responsibility for our own actions. God, we repent. We confess it. Father, we've sinned. Lord, right now, I pray that we could receive your forgiveness right now in the name of Jesus. And that, God, with your power, that we're going to leave this place walking in the opposite spirit. So, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that we would give these things to you fully and completely. God, we're not going to play games with you. We're not going to hold back. God, we give all of it to you right now. And Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come and fill that place in their heart. Lord, fill that place with your presence and your love and your life, your abundant life that you came to give us. Father, I pray right now that you would come fill that place with your Spirit. 
and God give them power and the grace to walk in the opposite spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So with that, you know, it's really important that we're ones that we're taking the log out of our own eye and carry that spirit out in the world. And so uh, I think that's one of the greatest uh, messages of the gospel is that we have the power to repent. And so, man, there's a lot of evil out there, but it begins with the heart that you're talking to or your own. Amen? Have a great Sunday. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.